You or someone you love needs help for an addiction. Where do you turn? Foundations Recovery Network offers individualized treatment for the whole person. Our goal goes beyond short-term sobriety. We address substance abuse and co-occurring mental health issues together, providing a firm foundation for long-term recovery. The first step is often the hardest, but we're here with a free assessment, insurance information, and treatment options. Our confidential helpline is available 24-7, so call 877-714-1318 and discover the Foundation's Recovery Network difference today. Yo, what's up? This is Jacoby from Papa Roach. This is Ryan Leaf. This is Rich Roll, and you're listening to Sober Guy Radio. Yo, what's up? Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks to humans for bringing us in, and thanks to you for supporting the show. Everybody, uh, big shout out to everybody supporting the recovery movement from the West Coast to the East Coast and abroad. Uh, We're blessed to have listeners from all over the world, and I'm proud and humbled to be a part of it, so thank you for that. Uh, To those out there who have helped pave the way uh, for me, guys like me, ladies like me out there, much respect to you. Uh, We're all in this together, and uh, the hope is to bring some more awareness to the stigma of alcoholism and addiction and mental health. Uh, So that's why we're here, and uh, like I said before, I'm very blessed and honored to be a part of it, so thank you. Uh, we have a few announcements for uh, before we get into today's guest, which is a phenomenal guest who, man, you guys are going to really enjoy this story, man. It's it's pretty gnarly and uh, some great insight into it. I can't wait to share it with you. Uh, but before we do that, uh, we're going to be in Nashville June 19th and the 20th for the Innovations and Behavioral Healthcare Conference. Uh, we're going to be doing some shows. We're going to be connecting with some great people. If you want more information on the events or how you can get tickets, uh, you can go to foundationsevents.com. And a big thanks to Foundations Recovery Network for having us out to do that. Uh, we, we were just down in San Diego uh, just recently. We had, a, we had a great time down there. Uh, put out some great content so you can go back and see some of those episodes. I think they're 130 through 140 right around there. Um, Also, don't forget to support the 1 Million Mohawks and Mental Health Awareness Month in May. Uh, You can go to thatsoberguy.com and watch Jess cut the Raymer, a badass mohawk, on the Facebook Live repost video. I reposted the video up there, and you can see that there. And, of course, all the information is there from the UROC Foundation uh, to help support the cause. And you can get more information about the hashtag 1 Million Mohawks and uh, how you can become a part of it to help support Mental Health Awareness Month in the month of May. Now, one of the tools I like to use is Transitions Daily. It's a daily AA email. It's delivered right to my inbox. Uh, Really, my best way to start my day. It takes me about five minutes to read. And uh, it's really one of my favorite tools. It's simple, and there's just some great things to help get my mind set and focused on the day. Um, I notice when I don't do the things that I need to do, man, my day, uh, just just the littlest thing can just set my day off and uh, really move me apart from staying in focus and staying in tune uh, spiritually, mentally, uh, even physically to where I need to be. So if you want more information about that, you can go to dailyaaemails.com. Today's guest is Adam Jasinski, and Adam Adam and I have been trying to hook up uh, for a few months now, and it just so happens the timing of this is perfect. Uh, God's timing usually is, so a big thanks to him for that. Uh, now, Adam is the winner of the U.S. series Big Brother 9. Adam uh, is a public relations manager from Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and uh, he became the winner of Big Brother 9, earning five hundred grand. On October 19, 2009, Adam was charged by the DEA, 
um, in North Reading, Massachusetts for possession of 2,000 oxycodone pills with intent to distribute. Uh, he admitted to funding his illegal venture with the 500 grand winnings from the show and to buying and reselling oxycodone pills for several months. Uh, Adam faced a maximum of 20 years in prison and a $1 million fine. Uh, he was sentenced in January 2011 to four years in federal uh, prison for the drug charge and for tax evasion. And uh, I thought this one was interesting. Um, I think maybe my mom uh, may say the same thing. I don't know. I'm sure some of us can relate to this. But in, in, uh, in Adam's mother's words, he was a party animal and wild and crazy right up until the feds arrested him. And uh, today, a lot, a lot has changed for him. That's why we're going to talk to him today and see what he's up to and see how he's helping to reach out and help other people's uh, people out there struggling with addiction, mental health. He's a mentor and a consultant for the Drug and Mental Health Treatment Center, Oceans Medical Centers. And that was recently opened by his mother and co-owner uh, in Palm Beach County, Florida, not far from his home in Delray Beach. And uh, Adam's been clean and sober for eight years. Adam, what's up, man? Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing uh, some, of your, uh, some of your story and your experience, your strength, your hope. What's up, man? How are you? What's going on, buddy? How are you? Like you said, it took a few months to get me in the queue over here, but I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm doing great. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's sunny out and, you know, getting up, like you said, and doing the thing every day. It's, <laughs> it's phenomenal. Life's good. Can't complain. Yeah, man. That's all we can do, man. Keep pushing, uh, getting up every day. And uh, it all starts from within, at least for me. I know that. I'm sure you can relate to that. Um, how? So you're out in Florida, right? Yep. Delray Beach, Florida. It's crazy part is when I... Before I went on Big Brother, I was living in Delray Beach, Florida, uh -huh. selling drugs and partying, not knowing, you know, the whole the whole time. I'm living in the recovery capital of the country. It was Crazy. right there out my front. It was right there out my front door the whole time, and I didn't even look. I didn't even put my eyes out and try to even see it. It's crazy because yeah, you're right. Recovery capital. It's also um, I don't even know how to uh, use the correct verbiage. I'll probably jack it up, but it's yep. the capital for prescription opiates. That's oh. a huge epidemic. Is that right? Oh. Yeah, I guess they cleaned it up now, and I, I guess when I got to the Big Brother show, I came down here, I was doing my thing, I was living in Florida, I was in Miami, lived all over the place, and I was just happy to be living here, you know, and then I got casted yeah. for the show, won all that money, and um, even before that, I was, you know, I, was, I wasn't the best guy, you know, we really didn't yeah. do the best of everything, so uh, I was living in the Pilmo, they would have literally mobile MRI machines that pull up to the front of your house, dude, really? and give you a fake MRI, and just prescribe you the pills right there it was mobile it was, it was, it was insane they finally Damn. cleaned it up i guess i guess when i, when I got it when i got out of jail like maybe five years ago it was like they cleaned it up finally but it was the wild west it was Wait, so it was, you so you could call up and you could have somebody show up at your house to get an mri, with an MRI machine in the back of a truck are you kidding me damn i never heard that before that's incredible <laughs> Jeez, man, that's crazy. Insane. And, like, it's normal place. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they would give you literally a bottle full of 150 Xanax bars and 250 Blue Oxys 30s every month, dude. Each doctor you go to. So, I mean, you think how, like, what becomes reality and not reality. You know, for yeah. me, you know, having two scripts of pills in my house was, you know, commonplace. Yeah. And uh, so, and, and until you, you find out the 2000 pills carries eight years and you know what I mean? Then you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, man. Nah, I mean, that's, that's crazy in itself. So let's, uh, well, let's kind of, let's kind of back up from that just for a minute and let's get to, um, you know, you, like your mom mentioned, you kind of already always had lived a fast life. Like what, oh. take us back. Like, what was that like even growing up as a kid for you? Dude, dude, nuts. I mean, I knew right away, you know, something wasn't, something wasn't right. I always big energy, man. Always yeah. want more and more and more. You know, I wasn't a brat. I earned everything I got, 
But like the first time I got weed, I bought the whole ounce kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. You know what I'm saying? And I said, I'm going to bag it. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to get high for free. So basically, I got high for free for, third, for 20 years. Yeah. You had that you know entrepreneurial. You had that entrepreneurial yeah. spirit right off the bat, even with pot. I made I made the middleman my business for a long time. Yeah, you know, There's a lot of guys like that. I think. Yeah, it's, it's easy. I mean, you can't afford to do drugs. I mean, it's fun. It's easy. You party, you go out. Yeah. It's fun. And then, like, I'm manic bipolar. We'll talk about that, I'm sure later. But like, every time I would like get into some crazy business, I would dive in. I work hard, and then I just freaking explode. You know, and what was there? Drugs. You yeah. know, yeah. drugs at go go bars and good times. That was it. So what what were what were your childhood years like? Did you have any a lot, you know a lot of us um, like I know for myself for instance grew up in a pretty um, dysfunctional non commutative or non um, uh, not able to communicate correctly. Fuck that yep. up right there. But but you see uh, that that's where that's where addiction doesn't discriminate because my childhood the best see that's the best what, family yeah. yep. the best mom the best dad the most supportive whatever you need kid we'll figure it out yeah. you know. And it's it just goes to show you, like it doesn't matter. I guess what they say: some of it's the gene that's in you, some of it's the social, that the, the environmental things that activate that gene, or whatever it might yeah. be. You know. What was it for you that uh, when you when you first started uh, smoking or drinking? I think it was was it. I mean, it, it made me feel like I guess you know I knew something wasn't right in me. It was always like I was never like stable. I guess like mentally, you know. So yeah. for me, I actually felt like normal like it normalized me for a sense so i don't know if it was self-medication these whole years for me yeah you know but i like getting fucked up who doesn't like getting fucked yeah. up <laughs> see i love that honest part of it too because uh, i said sometimes too like we talk about all the surrounding issues and like i was mentioning oh, i grew up kind of in a fucked up household you know growing up but at the end of the day it was man, yeah, i just like to get high and i had a lot of good times <laughs> doing it but it really fucked my life up at the same time it gets to the point where that switch gets hit where the, you know it peaks and then you're down and that downhill yeah. ride is a lot a lot harder than that uphill. It's like, you know what I'm saying? Up the roller coaster's fun getting to the top, but once you go, there ain't, yeah. you can't, there ain't no stopping it. Well, you mentioned uh, manic bipolar. Was that something that you oh. had experienced young, or yeah. was that something that you kind of figured out? Well, everyone older? thought it was ADD. Like back when I was little, I don't know how old you are, but when I was little, it was like Ridland and Stratera, yeah. and everyone's all of a sudden ADD. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So for me, I was super smart. I used to kill it in school. I would never even show up and get A's and B's. Really? You know? So for me, it was like, that was the easy part, so I'm trying to fuck around and have fun because I got nothing else to do with my time. I don't want to play sports. I want to fucking go out and get high instead of sitting around. You know, I never really conformed to that type of thing. You know, a lot of these kids, you see that play sports and do their thing, and they're, like, more structured and stuff. Ended up, yeah. you know, thinking a little bit – they get a little bit – like I personally now, looking back, think they have a little bit of a leg up because they're provided that structure, you know, and that accountability, which I had none of. You yeah, know? and I, 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 can, I can tell just by chatting with you even just for a short period of time that obviously very high energy. We talked about that even in the bio, but a yeah. lot of the time, some, a, couple other, a couple other cats that I know who are kind of similar to that high energy, you constantly have to have something going on or you get bored really easy. And you're also yep. super, super intelligent, almost too fucking smart for your own good. Is that what you say? Yep. <laughs> yeah, where you do dumb fucking shit. <laughs> so, um, what? So, what? What was your motivation? Um, back to back to. Uh, well, actually, let me let me back up before that. So you, so you, you start using using drugs, you using alcohol to kind of um, just to have fun to get high, right? Where does that yeah. go into like your twenties? Um, and when do you? Is it before you go on Big Brother? Before you realize it's yeah. an issue? Or take yeah, us back there. it's it's always been an issue, but it never. I mean, like I said, like. My mom kind of saved it a little bit because I started doing like crack and heroin in high school a little bit. It accelerated fast. I'm the entrepreneur. Like, listen, I was straight legit 
collecting yeah. lunch money, leaving for the work release program, going to North Philly and getting a thousand in drugs a day and coming back and selling them shits before school was even out. You know, that was my thing. That was at, a, that was my at mom, high school? Yeah, it was bad. So what my mom knew something was up. I think my brother kind of told on me. I was really, I was bad. Like my one boy's yeah. mom got like a million dollar settlement and was like paying me a thousand a day to drive around and get crack. You know what I mean? Like, damn, I was a crackhead in high school. So like for me, my mom knew something was up and yeah. she worked for one of the bigger, you know, lab core before it was Roche lab. Now it's lab core before like these tests were available in the stores and stuff. The instant test, there was none of that in the nineties, you know? Yeah. So my mom actually worked at the lab and I would come home and there'd be a, a Dixie cup on the counter. Like, come on, dude, pee in the cup. Let's go. And then she would put the star on top and take it to work. So one time I actually came home and I was like, all right, I'll pee for her. And I dipped it in the toilet. I saw pee in the toilet. I dipped it in the toilet bowl and she took it to work and it was weed in there. I guess my dad was smoking and didn't flush the toilet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He got fucked on that one. <laughs> yeah, right. So, but I, I, I never told on the man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I was like, thank God, because she knew something was up. Yeah. But I didn't get popped for the heroin and the crack. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, that kind of got my shit straight by her. Then, like, I knew every day, hell or high water, when I come home, there's a fucking cup on the table. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if I wanted to live there and I wanted to comply, I had to give a sample. So she really got me off the harder drugs. Until, you know, what slowed me down big time until I got to like, you know, out of high school and into college life. And then, you know, I found I can buy Coke for an ounce for fucking 800 bucks and double my money. And then, then I was doing that for maybe a good four or five years. Fucking around. Then I went to school over in Europe. I went to a private fashion school over in Italy and ended up getting busted over there for fucking hash, selling hash. I went to jail for six months in France. It's all fucked up, dude. All kinds of like nonstop, dude. And then I get like yeah. crazy opportunity. I clean myself up, and then drugs would take me out of the game again. Clean myself up, great opportunity. Drugs took me out of the game again, over and over and over again. My whole life, you know, even after Big Brother with a half a mil in the bank, I'm like, boom, I can buy a ton of pills now. You know, genius idea because I had no, no accountability, no want, no need, no desire to do something right. Until I actually worked a program, until I actually saw what AA and the recovery program can do for you, and it taught me the core principles to live by and changed yeah. my life, dude. Is there like a certain thrill factor that comes next to getting high and just committing these types of activity, like living that lifestyle? Um, yeah. And then, and yeah. then how? So a lot of people think too, I, and I know I thought this even even before I got sober. Like, how am I going to live? How am I going to have fun now? All I know how to do right. is have fun is when I'm partying. But there is there there's 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 definite you know joy and genuine fun, genuine relationships and recovery. Like, how did that kind of switch for you, and how have you been able to find that? Dude, I was laying in the jail cell on the bench, not caring about the TV, not caring about me getting locked up, not caring about what happened. I was pissed because I can't do coke no more. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was pissed. I was day. like. <laughs> life's fuck. I was like, life's over. I can't do drugs no more. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that was my fucking thought process. I was like, I can't do drugs no more. I'm fucked. So for me, it is a thrill. It was a thrill, but it came to the point where it was the regularity and the you know you're used to every time you go out, you got to have this in a row, or this is what you're gonna do when you go out on Friday and Saturday nights. You know, I know Friday, I'm gonna be up till Saturday, till Sunday. You know, like my it became such routine in my life and such ingrained in me after years of abuse you know you didn't yeah. i never I, I i started using drugs so I, was, I never knew life could be any different than that yeah and um 
How how long did you say you were locked up for? For four years? Yeah, there was a four year sentence. I did like almost I did almost the whole four years. I got a little bit of time off for that. I did a I did like a five hundred hour drug program in, in there. It was like oh, hardcore shit, dude. That, that, well, that's that's yeah. actually what, what I was going to ask you was did you when you were in did you do some sort of program? Did you work a program and what was that? Well, like? this is how my life got saved. I got locked up on October of '09. Mm-hmm. They went to go get bail. The feds doesn't give anybody bail for some reason. If you get locked by the feds, it's like almost impossible to get bail unless like, I don't know. It's like a real, real small minor crime. Yeah. So my lawyer, I guess lobbied. They're like, look, this kid needs help. You know? So I ended up, I was living in Florida. I got locked up in Massachusetts. They ended up sending me to a residential program for five, six months in mass. So I ended up going to on release, they're like, "All right, we'll let you out. Of, we'll let you out of jail as long as you go to rehab." So I went the first time ever in a program, ever knowing what that shit's about. You know, rehab was yeah. for quitters. You know, that's how <laughs> fucking. You know, yeah. what else is it for? You know, I'm, 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 I'm good. Brush your shoulders off, kid. Get up. You'll yeah. be all right. You don't need none of that shit. Like, yeah. you don't. You didn't realize that. Like, the, the the thought behind, you know, addiction as a disease and why you behave the way you do, and what's what. So I was actually. Six months sober, I got all the drugs out of my system. I was on nothing, you know? And I was like, my lawyer's like, man, you're still not, something's still not right with you. She's like, you need to talk to a psychiatrist, man. I was like, all right, cool. So she called one of her buddies and God gave me a consultant. He's like, you're bipolar. He's like, you need to get more help besides just substance abuse. So I went to the judge. I was like, look, you know, I'm done as inpatient. Can I like go to my mom's house in New Jersey on house arrest to try and get some med- mental health help? So he bails me out to New Jersey. I'm at my mom's house. I'm doing an IOP at a local hospital. I had no insurance. I, like, called the county. I got all these free resources. Everyone hooked me up. God bless, you know. Then I went to University of Pennsylvania. I applied for a bipolar study because I didn't want to admit that I'm mentally fucked up. So I apply for the study. I go there, and the guy's like, whoa. He's like, you're don't qualify for the study because it's for people who like cycle once a year. He's like, but you've been suffering for way too long and I'm going to get you better. And that's what those words changed my life, dude. I'm telling you right now what the mental health programming I went through at university of Pennsylvania, everyone goes through a traditional drug rehab. You get it? Yeah. The mental health IOP and outpatients teach you a different set of principles to manage your head, Hmm. you know, and it ended up, you know, it took me three, two or three years. And then because I did that, I had all the medical records for the prison system. So I went to jail and got sentenced, but I brought with me uh, an army of doctors information. Like this kid, you are required to help him because yeah. he's mentally fucked. So believe it or not, the whole way through, I asked for it and I got it. I asked for med management. I went and saw a psych every month. I went to a doctor every month. I sat in a one-on-one with a therapist every month. So I worked myself two separate programs, okay? I, re- I worked my AA and my substance abuse end of it, and I would work a whole separate set of a whole separate team I had for the mental health aspect of it to manage my my mania. I'm a, I'm a certified yeah. maniac, dude. So so when you when you say when you say bipolar, right? Like explain to those listening and even myself a little bit. I mean, I know the general analysis, I guess, of it, but like what is bipolar and how how can you describe it and help someone understand out there what it is if they have no clue? Right. Well, bipolar is type one and type two. I'm type one, the maniac type, where heightened speech, I talk super fast, my eyes used to bulge out of my head. Dude, on Big Brother, I talk so fast, I think I need someone 
they had to put subtitles for my words. You know, I was that <laughs> manic. You know, I was, well, the, shit, first you dude, I was that... the first guy that spoke English and he had subtitles. You know, that's how crazy <laughs> it was. Well, then you combine you combine that up with like a bunch of cocaine. Like, fuck, that's oh, like a, the coke, a train dude, wreck. Coffee, coffee yeah, levels coffee. me. Coke levels me. Um, my switch is back. I'm, I'm uh, the mental illness I oh, have. Oh, levels you. I'm, I see. I see. Levels me. I'm normal. I go to bed off a cup of coffee. I go to sleep. Wow, man, that's crazy. You know what I mean? So I'm wired different. Um, and a lot of successful people are bipolar. What it is is. It's a heightened awareness. You get manic ups, and then on turn, there's manic downs. So bipolar type 2 is more of a depressive. They're always, like, I'm 90% of my time, 80% of my time, I'm up and I'm on, fired up. More energy. If I don't get up and spend my energy every day, uh -huh. I'm pacing the walls till 4 in the morning, dude. Huh. You know, I got to get up and get out of the house. And this is what I learned. I learned, spend my energy, shut down. I will be so manic about an idea or a business i would work 24 hours a day for months and then just burn out and crash yeah you know so now i get up i work i come home at four or five o'clock step away from what i'm doing you know what i'm saying i still do some stuff on my end but i'm not actively involved in something so much and the results are better because i'm taking that time away that's needed to reflect yeah. on shit it's crazy how it all works out so but, so you're really having to set up um Schedule, yeah, a schedule, schedule outline. Gym, yeah. diet is that's all like. Does gym and diet help you? And, and, does gym and, and diet the medication help you out management, huh? Does gym and diet help you out a lot? Like, talk about yeah, that. I, mean, I, mean, I know that. I, I know for me, it's huge in 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 yeah, uh, huge, huge, huge. I feel like shit if I don't go to the gym. It's not about. I mean, looking good. I'm still a little fat, but I, I mean, without going to the gym, then I can eat a little bit better. If I don't, yeah. you know what I mean. Diet, I let slip a little bit. I try and stay conscious about what I do. But the gym and exercise, like getting my blood circulating and wearing myself out. Yeah, the, the you eating know? thing is tough, man. Like, dude, pizza and... Uh, you know, right, what pizza, else you got? Like, dude, I'm sober. Ew. I don't get fucked up. I'm yeah, eating something. Well, that's why I told my wife. I'm like, man, you know, because I, I kind of struggle with the eating thing, too. I'm doing a little bit better, but it's like kind of back and forth, right? And I'm like, well... She's like, yo, fat ass, put yeah, the cupcake down. You're yeah, like, no. Look, fatty, come on, man. But put, put the fucking <laughs> cupcakes down and... <laughs> It's comedy, man, but it is. It's like, like you said, like I don't have that vice anything. And so, what do we do? We turn. I turn to food sometimes, you know, to get that um, that high, and it, it's tough, you know. Um, Dude, I even bought. I listen real quick about that about healthy habits. I bought back in my mind. I bought back my four years of jail by quitting smoking cigarettes. I was like, look, if I quit smoking. I remember my last cigarette in front of the courthouse when I was getting sentenced. I was like, this is my last cigarette ever because I'll live four years longer. Yeah. If I quit smoking. <laughs> and you quit? Never smoke a cigarette again. Quit. Yeah. Done. Fuck cigarettes. I don't need them ever again. Done. I'm not, I bought my time back. That's my deal myself. You know what I mean? But I was able to be like once the mental health thing happened, I'm like, I'm not strong with myself. And let me tell you my key back to mental health again. Yeah. Yeah. The medication management component. A lot of kids go into treatment and they're like, here's Neurotin, here's fucking Gabapentin, whatever you want to take it and mix it all together. No. You got to clean your shit out. You need to be... This is the real me. You're on so much drugs, man, when you go into rehab. You don't know who you are. Yeah. You don't know what you like. You know? And then these doctors start prescribing these generic medications. I mean, listen, if you're hearing voices in your head and you're schizophrenic, I guess, you, you need to be on certain medications to stabilize you. Don't get me wrong. But to properly treat myself, I was dead fucking clean for six, seven months. Nothing. And then I started implementing one medicine. And I was vocal about how I felt extremely vocal you know yeah. it's it's for you a lot of people do is they get these meds and don't say nothing you know they're they're taking too much one one like they're taking too much seroquel and they're fucking raiding the refrigerator at two o'clock in the morning 
that's too much meds. You know what I mean? So it took me four. It took me three years to find the right combination that stabilized me, and then I took that same combination for three years. So that's six years, yeah. and then for the last year, two years now, I'm kind of I cut back. You know what I mean? Yeah. My brain healed. My brain healed. My body healed. I got past all that other stuff, and then I started weeding them out. Now I'm like a real low level of lithium, like really, really low. You know, but I have the other heavier drugs in the cabinet in case I'm like I have an episode or something, which I haven't had in over a year. You know, so you had to take a really strategic approach and really just you had to start from scratch, basically, right? And yep. I heard yep. um, I heard a uh, a good analogy recently on a on a on a different show, and they kind of equated it to, and I think it relates to this about making a recipe for the first time. Like you gotta you gotta start from scratch. And then yep. after after so many times of doing it, you start to learn the recipe. Then before you know it, you're adding your own little ingredients. You're kind of, you know, you might be yep. changing a couple little things because everyone is a little bit different, right? Everyone's and then you produce thin. your signature dish. There, there you go. Exactly. And so that's kind of where, where you're saying you're at right now. You've gotten to a point where you kind of know who you are. You know uh, your reactions to certain things and you, you kind of have your own schedule instead of just, here you go, here's a bunch of fucking meds, pop on them. Right. And now you're a zombie in some, in some right. instances, which is scary. Right. You're like, anybody. Hey, this is too much. This isn't working. I mean, if you need to be zombie to be safe and stable, yeah, be a zombie for six thing. months, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And then cut it back and be yeah. vocal about it. Like if you're going to do a mental health program, you should do monthly men. You should be able to have a doctor on call. You know what yeah. I mean? Doc, this is too much. I don't feel good on this. Let's change this up. You know, you've got to be vocal about how you feel. Even in recovery, they always say call your sponsor. You know what I'm saying? If you're not vocal, the sponsor in my eyes is the same as my psychiatrist. You know, if yeah. I don't call my sponsor, you know, if I didn't call my sponsor for everything that I needed when I felt like I needed it. Yeah. It's a waste of time. You're wasting your time doing this. So what do you? So I want to get on Big Brother a little bit here. I think this part is interesting. Yeah. Do you think that they? Do you think that they saw? Um, I mean, yeah, obviously, they, when they cast people, they see they certain knew characters. They fucking batshit, dude. And and so and so they kind of jumped on that that opportunity to have a, a character like yourself and bring you on the show. And then you, they probably yeah. didn't assume you'd end up fucking winning. I bet that's <laughs> <laughs> right. And you ended up winning five hundred grand. And then, they wrote off the drug addict, you know what I mean? Yeah, oh, I'm sure, but they don't know that a lot of us are smart as shit, but we just no, make stupid no idea. decisions, man. We're the best. We're the smartest, <laughs> most cunning, observant, well, understanding, and, and manipulative that's, fucks there there is, man. But, and that, that's what I love. My wife and I were just talking about this the other day. That's what I love about when you take somebody who has been written off or who's an addict or who's you know in, in suffering mental health, and, and when they can find that switch to turn it around and put all that energy into positivity, yeah. You you accomplish some amazing fucking things, just like you're you're doing today. I mean, you're helping a ton of people. You're speaking yep. out. You're open about it. But before before you got there, um, so you win the money, you get out, and then you go right back kind of to your old ways. Like, can you talk? No, a even bit even about worse. That? They're like, yo, come to my nightclub for a thousand bucks. Let me come to this festival. Come to this party. So they're paying so you was. to show up at places. I didn't make it. Listen, I didn't make it forty eight hours. I got out of there. as an eight ball coke and a bunch of perks in my hand within four within within. Three hours of getting out of the house. Damn. And, and Los Angeles where I know nobody. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Unbelievable, man. Yeah. Like, what shot did I have? You know what I mean? Yeah. What shot did I have? And I thought, like, oh, I got a month clean, this, that, the other. Dude, I kicked the fucking oxys on the fucking show, dude. Really? Yeah. Well, I just snuck them in there. They real. called my family, took them. I told them I had a prescription. You know what I mean? But yeah. I didn't tell them what it was for. You know what I mean? Like, 
classic minimized everything like oh yeah my, my back has problems yeah 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 trying to trying to make an excuse on why you actually need to be justified <laughs> to okay. take yeah, well, it's okay to shoot why well, it's okay to shoot some 30s while i'm yeah. in fucking house you know what i mean Gosh, like come man. on did you but, have like uh, a light did you have a light bulb style i hate that term light bulb but you know you know what yeah. i mean like that, uh-huh moment, moment. that spiritual awakening in prison was there anything in there I mean, that just kind of hit you it was it was before prison it was i mean it was I think it was when I was in the rehab, man, and I'm like, this is possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if, if that was, I mean, I was, I don't know if it was, I don't know what the day it was. By the time I got out of that six months in that treatment center in Massachusetts, and I saw these people suffering like I am, they're all right, it's cool, there's ways to deal and cope, you know what I'm saying? Life's bigger than this. And plus, I had yeah. to veil a freaking prison under my head, you know? So yeah. for me, I think the more time away, like as far as you get in the woods, as far as you got to get out of the woods. You know, and I was, and I felt myself actually starting to get out. I didn't want to go back in any further. So for me, I was like, I'm done. I'm straight. I'm good. Yeah. But um, it was the first time since I was 13, I was actually drug free. You know, with I might never had no substances in my body for that yeah. long since I was 13 years old. I mean, so you're talking about, I and mean, now I know, like, like, I didn't know what I like. I like to, I love to read. I, I, I found out so, I love doing normal old man shit now, dude, because I never <laughs> did none of that before. Yeah. I'm straight. I'm yeah. happy. Listen, I'm so happy, dude. I got dirt plays. I got all kinds of fun, cool shit I do nowadays. It's the best. Yeah, man, that's cool. Um, well, I, what I'd like to do too, man, I'm all the way out in California. You're in Florida, so we're on opposite sides of the map. I yeah. hear so much about the epidemic and, and what's going oh. on out in Florida. And if you if you could, if you don't mind, uh, maybe can you help shed a little bit of light on what you're seeing firsthand uh, in the work that yeah, you're doing I'm here. And, and what's going on out there? I'm here on the streets. Dude. There's a task force here, a lot of people up left and right. I mean, it's just tough to – it's tough to, to – I mean, there's money in the business. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's money in the industry. Um, when I was living in Delray before, it was popular, but it wasn't as popular. And I think what happened was when Obama made the changes in health care where there's no pre-existing conditions and you're covered to your 26 and your parents' card yeah. is what changed the game and flooded this place. Huh. You know? So next thing I know, literally, dude, there's like hundreds of treatment centers everywhere there's white vans all over the town like there's and the white van, the white vans i love it i think mobile? it's great because they're cool ass kids you know what i'm saying yeah 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 i think it's great but the, the community then has kind of been a little bit of an uproar and then of course with that there's going to be unscrupulous operators like this one dude just got in prison he was like hoeing girls out of his halfway house you know what i'm saying like yo give me your phone i'm putting you on back page like yeah, it's crazy, crazy. So, I mean, and as a parent, you know, in my book, My Kids on Drugs Now, what I coach the parents, you got to do your due diligence, dude. Like, even if it's in Southern California or Florida, like a treatment center, a treatment center, a treatment center, you know what I mean? They're licensed and should abide by some principles, but it's your job as a parent and your gut should tell you, you know what I mean? If things are good or not, to stay as professional, if they're on time, if you're talking to people regularly, you know, you can't just say, here, kid, you're in a treatment center and trust they're going to be okay. You know, you don't just trust any mechanic with your car. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a good point. So why are you going to trust just any treatment center with your kids? Like, and like, it really is more so getting more of a bum rap than it should. I mean, it's when you, because they're all freaking out because of the overdose spikes, you know, when you, when you compact a ton of addicts in one county. The odds of them using are going to be greater because there's more addicts. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's, <laughs> like, that's true. You know what I'm saying? The math makes sense. Like, it, I don't understand what they don't get. And then, like, this fentanyl and all this other shit's like, is, I mean, they should, listen, in my opinion, Palm Beach County should be like, listen, we have the most recovering addicts in our county than anywhere in the world. You know, if you get caught selling fentanyl here, you're, gonna, you're going to jail for life or whatever it is. You know what I mean? They need to 
make the penalties for selling that shit to these kids. Like, because then there's well, the people and, that hit and kids that are prey dying. on the drug like, dealers. Prey on these kids. Like, it's insane. Like, how can you get yeah. ahead when like the drug dealers are flocking to where your halfway house is? Yeah, yeah. So, so they're there trying to get sober, trying to clean up, but at the same time, they're getting bombarded with uh, with um, yep. drugs right there in their face. So, I mean, they really you know have what? a and chance I, at that point. And you know what's hard too sometimes is with when these kids die is. You, you need to assess where your kid's at as a parent. You need to be educated. If your kid's just smoking pot and drinking, don't send them to fucking to a, to a South Florida with fucking IV drug users galore. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So these kids go from like, oh, I just smoked weed and drank. My mom freaked out and sent me to rehab. Now all you're hearing about is the glory stories about shooting drugs. Well, and that's a, that's a great point, man. I'm glad you bring that up because I know that uh, for, I'm a parent. My kids are young, though, right? But I know I can imagine, you know, for for a parent out there who is um, has a teenager or even a, a young young adult that is abusing drugs, a lot of it it's so easy to turn the other way because it's the stigma, right? That's part right. of the reason I started this show and start these conversations, right? Is because that's what's important is communicating, talking about it. Um, you, yes. you mentioned your book, "My Kids on Drugs." Now what? Um, yeah. like talk a little bit more about that and how, like, what do you, like, what is the outline I, of that book? Dude, I wrote the book. I'm telling you, like everyone writes a book thinks it's a shit. I'm telling you, I bought every book <laughs> on Amazon yeah. about addiction, bro. And I, I learned to read in prison. That's what I do. I read. I'm a reader. I read. So I bought every single book of addiction and read all that motherfuckers, dude. And I put all my input in there. I'm going to smoke them. Like if, if you're a parent listening to this, you need this book. You know what I'm saying? I need to get to more of the... Pre- and what I learned about it, I had to get to more of the prevention part of it. Like, if your kid's just smoking pot and, ch- and, and, and drinking and it's starting to hit a problem, or you just noticed they did coke for the first time, get them in a local outpatient program. Do something locally just yeah. to turn that corner and make a little bit of a change in their life and steer it the other way. Not some big drastic jump like get the hell out of here and go to Florida. Yeah. You know? Like, yes, but it's, it's like you need to scale on the spectrum of addiction. You need to be a keen parent. Like, autism has a spectrum. You know what I mean? Where do you fall on that spectrum? Addiction has a spectrum, like how severe of an addict are you, you know? And then nowadays what's even crazier is these parents don't know when they were kids, when I was a kid, we used to drink beers and smoke some weed in the woods, you know what I mean, hang out. These kids are straight doing heroin in their mom's basement. Like there there is no weed and beer in the picture no more in high school. It's okay to do dope, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, and 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 like you 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 said before, like – you know, the chances of you smoking a little pot and dying, you know, are, are pretty, right. pretty scarce compared to, um, you know, a heroin addict who may shoot up and, and ultimately die that, that very right. night. So, and if, so when, when we started, like, okay, if you're going to do heroin, you're going to start with smoking weed and you're going to do a little bit of this, you're going to sniff a little bit of heroin, do some pills, and then you're going to do heroin maybe like a year or two later into it. Now they're just going from zero to 100. They're right to dope, you yeah. know? So it's harder to treat that. It's so, hard to treat when you're a severe addict versus, you know, and then the parents are like, oh, he's going to be okay. It's just a phase. Yeah. Or he told me he stopped doing that. Yeah. Or he's like, you know what I mean? Whatever. Like me, I'm just smoking weed, Moss. What's the big deal? You know, when I'm really doing heroin and lying about it. You know, like there's one chapter, like, no, for sure, dude. Like I own exactdrugtest.com. It's like you can get, I sell like 12 pound tests for like a fraction of the price of Walmart because parents need these fucking things in their table. Yeah. It's like, no, for sure. Like, no, they're not bullshitting you. Like, drug test your kid. See what he's doing. They're going to lie to you. Addicts lie. They don't want – we're going to say, yeah, mom, I'm doing heroin. I don't care how cool of a parent you are. You're not going to say I'm doing heroin. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Because you don't want to stop. You don't want to get caught. You think you can handle it when you're young. Your mind's wired to do crazy things, you know, and you think you can handle it. Like, I thought I was in control the whole time. 
you know, when I was using drugs. Like, you think you can stop whenever you want to. But as a parent, if you're noticing your kid getting out of the way, and then there's the don't tell grandma, you know, like, oh, don't tell dad. I found yeah. weed in your drawer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He might get mad. Like, tell every motherfucking person you know. You know what I'm saying? My kids yeah. on drugs. Don't give them no money. Yeah. Man, see, and you know, you know what I love about what you're talking about right now, man, and I appreciate it, Adam, is it's fucking it's true, it's real. real prevention, it's real. bro. It's real because the there's not beating around the prevention. bush. Like, we're not talking about, you know, you're being straight up front and blunt about it. And I think that when we can talk about it in that manner, that's when then um, it'll change exactly exactly man. so thank Dude, you for and chris christie on the news in new jersey all the parents are sitting there protesting a new treatment center in front of the, in their neighborhood yeah like i guess seabrook's opened a new center up and he's doing like a press conference and the parents are all booing and chris christie's like wait till it's your kid yeah wait till it's your kid mm -hmm. and you can see what you're gonna say yeah yeah and you it's know like and it's too little too late man and the longer you let it slide and even condoning like oh it's cool you're just smoking some weed or drinking the house is safe if you don't touch a drug by the time you're 21 you'll never will do a drug again in your life it's the stats. Yeah, it's crazy. You know what I'm saying? If you can get your kid to 18 to 21 without touching a drug or a drink, yeah. so it'll be good for the rest of their life. Wow, that's so interesting. So what's okay heard to let them one. smoke weed? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. they need to know. Like, like, for me, I tell the parents, the conversation would be like this. If you smell pop, you're like, yo, what's up, dude? Is that good weed or what? You all smoked out? How you feeling right now? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Don't fucking crucify the kid. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You got to be at that point. And then, like, it's to the point with the relationship and the dysfunction, the family. I mean, and I could talk about it forever. And, like, I came, I started writing this book, My Kids on Drugs, Now What? Yeah. To help parents whose kids are on the drugs. But, like, what I really started finding out is this is the best prevention tool. Like, if I lay the facts out there of how long this sobriety process takes, it's not like, oh, he's in rehab, he's in detox, he's cured either. That bullshit yeah. got to get cut out the picture, too. How many parents, the kids get a detox for three days and say, oh, he's clean. Come home now. Come on back, Jimmy. You're not going to do drugs ever again. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah. It's a well, fucking process. And, and so, you know so what, what, what you're saying, though, too, is, is we have to be as parents self-advocates and, and, and educate ourselves. Just like with oh, autism, like you said, or just like, like how, how the, how the hell can we expect to help someone we love if we don't know what the fuck we're dealing with, right? Dude, I talk about, like, dude, find a fucking lawyer now. You know what I'm saying? Because your kid's going to get locked up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if he's doing heroin, he's getting locked up. You know what I'm saying? Like, once you drug test, we know for sure what they're doing. You know? And, like, yeah. I even talk in the book about, like, listen, get your medical doctor on board. If you don't want to talk about addiction, just tell your doctor, like, look, I think he's doing drugs. Can we tell him we need a regular blood screening and test him for toxicology? You know what I'm saying? You don't have to tell your kid you're doing it. Bring him for a regular blood test and have the doctor order the toxicology test, and you'll know for fucking sure exactly what they're doing, dude. Yeah. How can you treat something if you don't know what it is? Yeah, it's impossible. It's impossible. We've got to educate treat, ourselves. And listen, sure. and, and, and alcoholism and opiate use and cocaine and just smoking weed, they're all different modalities of treatment for that. You know, there's different ways to approach the severity of the disease. You know, it's whether it's stage one, two, three, or four cancer, you got to know if it's stage one, two, or three, or four addiction you're dealing with, dude. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, like you said, you don't want to send... Um, you don't want to send uh, your your what a rookie to the fucking major leagues exactly. In <laughs> hunts, you know, you look back on that and could hurt them worse than actually yep. helping them. You're putting them in an environment that you know might not yep. be right. And um, I talk about the importance of getting you in. The, and once they go to detox, you got to go to rehab. You need to go to do. You need to be in a program. I had to. Get, I used to own a halfway house. All right, I used to own halfway houses down here. I sold the company, and then one time I had these. Dudes came to, came to the house to move in. I knew them. They went to detox. They're like, I'm like, go to treatment for, for a month and come back. And they're like, nah, man, we're good. Nah, we're good. They get out of detox. They come to the house. They're like, oh, all right, we're going to go to Burger King, meet my friends. 
They go out, two dudes, my boys drive, and the kid I knew, his boys in the passenger seat, two chicks on the back seat. They all go and get dope. The two girls in the back seat fucking die. Oh, the dude man. in the passenger seat shoots up as my boy has a needle in his arm, shoots up, he dies. And then my boy's sitting there with three dead people in the car with him. Wow. That's crazy. That's how real it is down here, dude. It's fucking nuts. It's so bad. It's so sad. Damn, man. Well, so. Right. But if he went to treatment, it would never happen. You know what I'm saying? It's a process. You got to get, you got to heal your brain. Like yeah. whether you're addicted or whatnot, it takes time to heal your brain. You are not, just because you're nothing in your body doesn't mean you're not mentally prepared to handle what's out there in the real world. You know, it's a process. And as soon as they realize it's a two, three year window to get sober, dude. I, you know uh, what I'm saying? So it ain't. What is, what is your, I got, I got a couple of questions and then we'll wrap this thing up for, I got two more. What, number one, what does your personal um, recovery program look like and what can you share that's helped you that might help someone else out there? All right, well, now, I mean, I, I, listen, I don't even, like, I, listen, I did AA, I did NA Church for me, and yeah. the spiritual group of things. My, my life now, today, my conversations are past drugs. I don't talk to people about drugs anymore. Yeah. I don't reminisce drugs. It's like, my conversations and my recovery is real life shit, you know? Yeah. I hang out with real mentors, people who are successful, people who are living life how you're supposed to live life, you know? But it took me a long time to get here. So, on my way here... Had the sponsor, my sponsor. I picked and moved the most money, the nicest car, and got the most fucking ass in the, in the place. That's the dude I want to hang out with. He had 25 years clean, badass car, and a hot-ass chick. I'm hanging with Ralph. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. That's why I picked my sponsor. You know what I'm saying? Because they got what I want. You hang out with what you want. You know what I mean? So I hung out with Ralph. He got me through it. And then I got with this dude, Lucy Ketty, was in life for murder, dude, 25 years. Did manslaughter. He got out, and they had a men's group, dude. It was a... a faith-based, Christian, Bible-based men's group uh -huh. where they'll read a chapter and just talk about life. You know what I mean? It wasn't about drugs no more for these guys because they had so much clean time. Yeah. So I was with the old-timers from the rip. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's a good point, too, um, is you know, the, the face of things might be drugs, alcohol, but really deep down, it's, it's really a personal uh, battle. You know what I mean? I know for me it is. It's a personal battle on how, yep. how to deal with life, how to be connected uh, spiritually, how to, yep. um, you know, how to navigate through life shit yep. without and check your shit when you're backsliding, yeah, obsessing exactly. yourself daily. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Where am I at? Where I want to be? What am I doing? Who am I helping? Is my big key. And that's when AA taught you got to get back with giving to you. My mom owns a freaking mental health program, dude. I'm, I stop yeah. in there a few times a week and like, it's like I'm talking to the masses over there. Like I've been where these kids are right now. You know so, what I'm saying? So I'm, speaking I'm of that. Actively, so, I'm actively involved in around people who are fresh. You know what I mean? Who are currently just getting sober. So for me, seeing that keeps it up front for me. So someone, to somebody out there listening who's in that seat right now and they're either contemplating or maybe they have a loved one who they're, they're just fucking going through it with, like what advice can you give them, Adam? You know, if you can't get through them, get a dude like me on the phone with them. You know, if you, a second voice in the conversation, a fresh voice in a conversation what's about making a change, getting into rehab, having a hard time is pairing them with someone who they can relate with and click with. I can talk to a 20 year old kid and he's like, you're the man dude, you know, versus some mom who's like, fuck you. I'm done talking to you anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just depends. So like, if you're going to stay some intervention, you're going to do something like that. Like get a, get a dude like me, find someone in the community that knows their shit, you know, that's been there that the kid can like vibe with and let them know that like, listen, it's a big, scary change, but rehab's cool, dude. These rehabs down here are the shit, bro. You're hanging out at the fucking beach. You're playing volleyball. You know what I'm saying? You're going to the group for eight hours a day and you're chilling. 
But it's sunny about, South what Florida. About, but what it, about the kid that can't get in? Rehab's not scary. Is what I just said. It's not scary. Go. What about the kid that can't get into the rehab though because of insurance or whatever? I mean, yep, what, you what got, is that? You got to hit local, to dude. You got to hit resources. There is local resources, dude. I went to the county and got a grant. You call. You say you have a sliding scale. You guys got scholarships. Beat the phones. Yeah. You know, and that's why my book it tells the parents to get these ducks in a row early, dude. And don't give your kid the insurance card like a fucking visa. Don't yeah. tell them they got insurance. You know what I'm saying? Do what you got to do because once they know they got this insurance card, they can go to treatment for a little bit. No, they can go relapse and they'll take them right back in when they're out of money. Yeah, I man. can talk for hours about this shit, man. I got it all no, figured out. Dude. I've been uh, doing this shit. I see, I see it every day of my life right in front of me. You know, it's like I'm in a bubble down here that's all about this. And the rest of the country is just hearing these either bad press or know what to do or like there's only one or two centers in your state and they're like, strict and rigid and more like institutionalized and they're not caring or compassionate and they treat you like a number if insurance don't like you said if your car don't fucking get approved for a ppo they ain't taking you yeah and they're like can't yeah. help you you know and they get to smash a website with, with community resources there's grants there's hospitals there's sliding scales like even if you got to make a hybrid program for your kid or for yourself you know you're like all right i'll hit this therapist every other week you know for 50 bucks yeah yeah. You know, I'll hit her once a week for, 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 for you know, that's 200 a month, 50 a week. Of, you go know, one session a week to this therapist. I'm going to go to three AA meetings, you know, this week. And I'm going to go to this IOP on a sliding scale for outpatient twice a week for 100 bucks a week. You yeah. know? And it, go, it falls back to just, like you said, doing dil do diligence, or maybe I said that, and, and, uh, yep. and, and knocking on doors and just continuing. Because I know it is tough out there sometimes to, you really have to get, you have to get after it, especially if you don't have insurance or you don't have yep. those resources that are right there. But it is out there, and there's plenty of resources on uh, that sobergui.com you can check out. You can check out foundations. <laughs> and then, Adam, uh, where, if any, if any and you parents, know, any kids. Dude, there's dudes like me and you out there, man. Reach out. Yeah, Say exactly. what's up. Say something. Ask for help. Exactly. Well, if someone wants to reach out to you, Adam, uh, where can they do Adam, that? Adam, Adam at adamjasinski.org, adamjasinski.org.com, mykidsondrugs.com. Cool. And that's the book, My Kids on Drugs, Now What? And that just came out, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's being launched on June 1st at the Book Expo and BookCon, New York City. Cool. And it's, it's available for pre-order on Amazon and Barnes and Noble tonight now. But I'm going to do a big campaign behind it. You might see me at the conference. You might see me at the conference at foundation events, buddy. I might come show up over there to say hi. Oh, that'd be awesome, man. I'd love to hook up, man, and meet in person <laughs> and chat for a bit, man. I don't know. I'm going to have to get some subtitles, though, on this audio. I don't think that's possible, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you might, right? I, talk, a, I, still, I still talk fast, you know? I love it, man. No, but I love the energy and I love the uh, passion behind it, man, because that's how, at least to me, I know how that shit is real like that. So I appreciate yeah. it, man. Thank you. But am, am I on to something here or what? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, man. And you know what? I love... Uh, I love the title of the book too. My kids on drugs. Now what? Because we kind of alluded to that a little bit. How many Listen, parents the, the, out there? The, the second don't know? the workbook's coming out next is called "I'm Getting Out of Rehab." Now what? Huh, nice man. So you got them lined up. Yeah. No I'm pun. In, no pun intended. No pun intended yeah. for for you people who <laughs> liked coke back in the day. Um, hey, I'll put the links to the. I'm gonna put the links to the book uh, through Amazon. I'll put them in the show notes. Yeah, I'm gonna get you on OceansMedicalCenters.com website too. You can find Shane out there. OceansMedicalCenters.com. Cool, and um, I'll put your links as well on all my stuff. Adam, man, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. All right. All right, Shane. Thanks, bud. Thanks again for listening. Thanks to Adam for coming on today and sharing some of his story. Uh, you can get more information one more time at mykidsondrugs.com. Find the new book on there. Also be in the show notes. Uh, go to thatsoberguy.com for more information. Leave us a review on iTunes. Much appreciated. Thanks to Foundations Recovery Network, Sober Nation. <laughs>
respect, keep your blood clean.